Hi and welcome to a new episode of the Terragnostic Talks podcast, a podcast for healthcare professionals interested in the latest innovation within Terragnostics. Monday morning, episode three out of four, live from the EANM 22 Congress in Barcelona. And we just finished a, a very interesting session in Hall 112, where we followed the uh, uh, very interesting top trial session, the best FAPI trials. And that's my question for today. Can FAPI become the next big thing? We will deep dive into that today. My name is Gustav Wider and today I have four new experts in the studio. Dr. Wolfgang Fendler from Essen in Germany, uh, Professor Thomas Hope from San Francisco in US and Kim Prabs from Essen in Germany and Silvia Telo from Bologna in Italy. Welcome to the podcast. It's our pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. How, is, how has your <laughs> congress been so far? Thomas, it's, first, it's your first ENM. Yeah, it's great to finally make it over here. Uh, I've always wondered what ENM is like, and it's been great to be in Barcelona and see all the great presentations, and uh, you know, a lot of fun to be here. Also to see colleagues like Wolf, who I've known for years, and uh, actually see in person finally after all of the uh, COVID excitement. One of you, one of our internet friends. Yeah, Wolfgang. It's absolutely exciting. It's my third congress here, but uh, I've never been so happy to to start on site again and uh, it's it's only or it's just monday but still has been a hugely interesting congress with mm. different perspectives uh, going beyond um, psma and uh, somatostatin receptors into fab imaging and therapy so many many perspectives we, we have seen already and kim it's your first congress as well yes you're right it's my first congress here in uh, europe the europe uh, european um, congress this year um, and i'm really excited about all these sessions and furthermore to meet all the new people because the times before i was just on the german congress so now uh, it's nice to see all these guys again but right now uh, i also met for example sylvie from bologna uh, and that, that's really ni- that's really nice and sylvie what's your impression of the congress so far this is my second congress and so far it's been very exciting and interesting and it's um, nice to finally be able to meet in person here after the pandemic, so it's very nice. Nice having you all in this studio. Uh, Wolfgang, let's start with you. FAPI, it's a new combination of letter. Can you explain, or maybe like a dummy, as me, what is FAPI? What is the thing with FAPI? So, so this time we're not looking at a tumor, we're looking into the, to the neighbor of the tumor fibroblasts, so FAP or FAP is fibroblast activation protein, Mm -hmm. and the I comes to inhibitor, so that's the type of ligand or binding molecule that we can use for imaging and therapy. And that's of high interest, and and a lot of sessions at the ANM are really focused on new approaches for FAP imaging and therapy. Thomas? I just want to add something to this. I feel like the world calls it FAPI, and FAPI is a specific ligand that's used to image FAP, right? And uh, it's like the whole class is FAPI, and you know, obviously my one presentation was on FAP, which is not a FAPI compound. So we need to to broaden our horizons beyond the FAPI term that has become EU-centric and go out to FAP-targeted imaging and therapy. So just my feedback. I agree. It it's, will be more diversified in the future. So the FAP is our target, and there will be more than the eye to it mm. in the future by just different approaches and how to really tackle this. I'm, I'm pretty sure there will also be uh, cell-based therapies and approaches mm. beyond the eye. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of FAP. It's, it's, we have FAP 4, 46, 22, 86. How should we 
understand what, what FAPIT use. I think that's a, a good start into approaching a new possibility for, for targeting cancer. And in the beginning, we have always been used to having a multitude of different ligands and different radio pharmaceuticals that we can use and explore. And along this road, we will find out which of these might be might have good characteristics to go on further. But I think in the current situation, it's it's quite good for us to have different approaches to look into and also see results from those different 2286 and 46 and, 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 and those different possibilities. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Sylvie, uh, you just uh, presented your work on using FAPI as a, a diagnostic tool for lung cancer. Can you tell us, tell us a little bit more about your yeah. In our prospective study, we included patients that uh, performed an FTG for staging uh, initial lung cancer. And uh, we included patients with an unequivocal uh, oncological finding at uh, image, uh, FTG image interpretation. Um, so we noticed that uh, the most frequent uh, um, equivocal doubt the equivocal finding that we observed in FTG PET CT were uh, lymph nodes, especially mediastinal lymph nodes. So we uh, have seen a lot of patients that um, showed no uh, significant uptake at mediastinal lymph nodes. Uh, and this is a problem for a patient with uh, suspected or confirmed lung cancer because uh, um, they are often, they have often uh, um, risk factor such as smoking that can lead to lung cancer but also to inflammatory uh, chronic lung diseases. So it's important for us to differentiate between uh, benign and malignant uh, um, lymph nodes in these cases. So FAPI helped us uh, um, because we found uh, um, values of uh, accuracy, sensitivity and specificity higher in determining um, the in uh, observing and uh, in defining this uh, lymph the mediastinal lymph nodes. And also in the um, in the primary tumor we observed the same thing. We had a lot of cases with um, that show um, uh, no or uh, insignificant uptake at the primary tumor at FTGPET uh, and FAPI helped us uh, defining uh, this uh, this finding uh, in uh, resulting in accuracy, specificity and spe sensitivity uh, values higher. Fantastic, so FAPI could be an option for lung cancer. Yeah. Uh, continue with you Kim, you also have done a trial but in prostate cancer, you have given the patients a really cocktail of FTG, PSMA and FAPI tracers. Yes, that's right. Um, we included 10 patients overall and like you said, they got a triple tracer comparison. So um, we have the protocol that on one day they receive FAPI and FDG and on the other day they receive PSMA in these cases and um, it was really interesting because we know that there are lots of um, that there's a lot of heterogeneity in um, these patients and we know that there are since the vision trial there are a lot of patients who profit and who benefit mm -hmm. from uh, the PSMA radioligand therapy, but there are some some subgroups and some people who um, have low or absent PSMA uptake in lesions, or like we um, saw um, from Dr. Boutou yesterday in the therapy trial, that there are mismatch findings in FTG and PSMA PET. So the big question was, what about FAPI? Because um, we know that in the CRPC patient, the FAP expression is the highest. Um, there was um, uh, compared to other um, prostate uh, cancer states um, that was published in uh, 2021 um, by Cash et al. And yeah, we know that and that was the interesting question, what, what would happen then? Mm. And um, yeah, we had the feeling that 
FAPI goes more in the direction of FTG PET-CT scans, so it um, seems to behave a little bit similar, but um, overall when we compared it directly we saw that FAPI was um, superior significantly to FTG, yes. Mm. Good options. So we have a go we have diagnostic options for lung cancer and prostate cancer. And you have done, Thomas, you have done very preliminary or very early uh, test on lutetium labeling FAPI. Yeah, so I presented the Lumiere trial, yeah. which is a phase one two trial studying lutetium uh, FAP2286. So it's a company sponsored trial uh, very early on in the dose escalation phase, looking at safety and toxicity and dosimetry related with uh, FAP target therapy. So it, it's very early on, but it's sort of the necessary work that needs to be done yeah. in order to move a therapy forward in a clinical trial setting. So, uh, you know, it, it sometimes seems a little boring, uh, but without doing this, you can never actually run a phase two, phase three study in the U.S. to actually determine whether or not FAP should be used clinically and get approved uh, for therapy. So can you give us, what, what did you find? Uh, what we found, I would say the, the main findings of the study were in the dosimetry area where we didn't find any, I think one of the main concerns for me early on was kidney dose. Uh, there's a lot of uh, concerns over kidney dose and so we didn't actually measure uh, an abnormally high uptake in the kidneys which would be dose limiting which is really reassuring allowing uh, one to move forward in a dose escalation phase. Uh, and then the other aspect of it is it's actually well tolerated but I think that's well known now <laughs> as uh, other people have uh, had experience with it so that the safety profile was reasonable. Uh, you know, now we're finally getting into doses where there would be efficacy, so we haven't yet gotten to the time point where we would actually see uh, any, any good efficacy signal yet, but hopefully in, in the next maybe five to six months we'll start seeing some of that as we get into the higher dose cohorts. What's the next step? Uh, well, for this trial, uh, the next step is a, is a phase two, so specific diseases and a basket cohort, a uh, larger study uh, to demonstrate an efficacy signal. So uh, in the phase one trial, in essence, allows people with very low SUVs to get into the trial. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you wouldn't really actually be able to or expect to see too much efficacy at this level because there's not requiring high uptake. Uh, once uh, the trial moves into a phase two, it'll select patients more appropriately for therapy so that we can actually start seeing an efficacy signal moving forward. Mm. Let's see in the future. Wolfgang? To me, the Lumia trial is really a highlight trial currently looking at into. You mentioned it, there's been experience, clinical experience with FAP targeting and FAP treatment, but the Lumia trial really evaluates and assesses this on a prospective basis. A, a very well-controlled trial, mm. and I think this is going to be high-level evidence for us. Um, that's the one thing. And the second thing which I, I like very much about the Lumia trial, and you have also mentioned this, is it's a basket trial. So it's really enrolling from different tumor entities at mm -hmm. this time point, which is very important for us to gain experience in different directions and also assess which would be the right direction in the future to go for. Mm. And you have done some trials in, in, in Essen as well with treatment. You told us just recently. So we have a clinical pipeline of FAP imaging and treatment. And for those patients, who have exhausted all treatment options and they show an intense FAP expression level, we can offer on a clinical basis the FAP um, treatment. And this is based uh, um, Y90, uh, yttrium-based treatment. It is also performed over several cycles. 
and is really aimed at trying to control the tumor. And in our experience, it's very similar to what has been found for the Lumia trial, which is, again, a different radio label. It's, mm. it's a different type of radiation. But the experience is very similar, that it's, it's very well tolerated. And we see some baseline level of uh, thrombocytopenia or hematotoxicity. Mm. But it's not stopping us from um, delivering the, the treatment in, in, in a safe way, also in a clinical setup. Beautiful. Um Okay, if we, if we look into the future now, you know, guessing what, what will be, be the future for, for FAPI, what, you know, what, what disease areas, where, you know, where, where do we have animate needs somewhere? I think we're really in the exploratory phase yeah. currently. It's difficult to look into the future because I think we need to explore all directions. Mm. And um, what I believe is important is to keep the focus on our um, like evidence-based approaches that we go step by step and really use our current evidence on the different tumor entities um, and then focusing on those entities who by imaging might be um, very good candidates for FAP tar targeting. And mm. what we currently see in the literature is that there's a group of cancers where it might work in the future. It could be sarcoma, it could be carcinomas of different mm. kinds, uh, pancreatic, um, colorectal, and, and these are entities with, that we should explore in the future. Mm. I, I believe there might be a place, uh, of course, for FAP imaging and treatment for, for one of these cancers in the future. Yeah, I'm just going to add to that. I think it's really important to, when you're thinking about the clinical application, think about the clinical application. Mm. Uh, having uptake on FAP PET doesn't mean that it is useful in that setting. So like sarcoma to me is a great example. Actually, it's imaged really well with FDG. Now maybe the SUVs are 1.5X mm. or 2X higher, but it's not gonna change the management of that individual patient. So as an imaging agent, yeah, on you know when you push out the uh, mean SUV and the tumor, it looks great, but it's actually not adding benefit to the existing imaging modality. So when you think about where is FAP gonna be, you have to think about where are our current imaging modalities failing? Why are they failing? And is the improvement in imaging seen with FAP going to change the needle? Mm. And I think that's where we need to move forward from looking across lots of diseases and measuring uptake and showing disease where there are good uptake to saying, hey, disease four, this one, you know, cholangiocarcinoma, it's hard to see, right? You know, early staging, maybe that's a setting where FAP can outperform FDG and actually mm. show us where disease is uh, and not just focus on the uptake. Because when you just look at, you know, FDG versus FAP uptake, you're missing the clinical application mm which is actually what's going to drive the success of the molecule. Mm. Sylvie, if you, what can we do? What's the next step for you and your team in Bologna? Or do you have a next step? Um, of course, we need to, to continue studying FAPI in, in order to validate these preliminary interesting results in bigger cohorts. We need to, to explore also uh, all the pitfalls that can have FAPI. We have seen that uh, can have um, uh, false uh, positive uptake, in, for example, in the uterus, also in uh, fibrotic uh, or um, scars, uh, fibrotic finding or scars, but also in, uh, for example, in patients with uh, um, hepatocellular carcinoma, uh, we can see um, a diffuse and intense uptake in, in patients with liver cirrhosis. So we need to to continue studying in order to uh, and and also to um, we need uh, to approach different clinicians because this is a pantumoral tracer and. Um, mm, we need to uh, establish good relationship with a clinician. That is not so, so easy sometimes and uh, is uh, very important for us because we can have a wonderful idea, but if the clinician doesn't follow you, it doesn't help you, you, you cannot uh, do your, perform your study.
So. No, uh, maybe it's obvious that we need collaboration with the clinicians that, that you have. You told me, as Kim, before we started, that you have a good collaboration in SM together with the oncologists that actually find the patients for you to doing the trials. Okay, thank you everyone for joining this Terragnostic Talks uh, podcast session about FAPI. Uh, have a nice congress. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, and thank you all for joining the podcast. Uh, tomorrow we will be back with a new episode for new experts in the studio. And tomorrow we will discuss the future of Terragnostics. If you want to reach out to us, please send us an email on podcast.samnordic.se. Follow Sam Nordic on LinkedIn or Twitter. If you are at the Congress, step by and say hi. Stay tuned, stay safe. Bye-bye. Thank you.